Reach Young Adult Ministry Sermons online from Tuesday, October 26, 2021 by guest speaker Roya Shaw from the third lesson in her series, Fundamentals, from Matthew 5, 1-13. So here we are. Um, it's going to be the third lesson in this series. Um, so in 2021, this is the year of unity. And we have been training our minds and hearts in scripture to define biblical unity. The Lord has opened up Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount, to clarify, equip, and unify us with the wisdom of God's purpose for his children and his church. In our first lesson in Matthew chapter 5, we learned from the Lord that the fundamentals of God's children are not physical habits, such as going to church and getting in groups. These are considered healthy Christian habits, but not our core fundamentals. Jesus taught us that the kingdom of God was about the posture of our hearts towards God, sin, and each other. Then the second week, we talked about um, the Holy Spirit revealed that the Beatitudes, the blesseds, and the rewards were the very essence of Christ himself. If the posture of our hearts are not centered on God, sin, and each other correctly, we can expect the opposite of the blesseds and the rewards. There will be a lack of unity with God and his people. So here we are today on his final revelation on Matthew 5. The Holy Spirit wants us to finish on verses 13 through 16. So let's open our Bible to Matthew 5 verses 13 through 16 and I'm going to read through those first. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a, on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Okay, so we're going to start with salt. And, you know, I was really coming off of a retreat and all this. Uh, I'm tired. And uh, yesterday, I I didn't sleep good Sunday night because it hit me really hard. Oh, my goodness. I don't know what I'm going to be teaching on. And uh, I'm thinking salt. Oh, gosh, this is something we have read 5,000 times, and it can be real basic. And uh, I, I really didn't want to do the basic because, uh, you know, I just know that this word is living, and it's really cool whenever we uh, hear from the Holy Spirit and he reveals to us new mysteries. So I felt him uh, lead me to look into the actual scientific components of salt. And I thought that that would be interesting. So I started looking things up. 
So salt is NaCl. This is sodium chloride, okay? This is a chemical compound made up of two elements. These two elements are bonded together in what science calls a perfect marriage. Sodium chloride, share, uh, sodium chloride shares in one electron, making the compound extremely difficult to be destroyed. So it's a perfect marriage that shares one electron. Uh-oh. I got nervous and forgot an E. That's okay. You guys love me. That's okay. That says electron. Okay. <laughs> there is. Do I need to do the carrot? There we go. Okay. All right. <sighs> okay. I feel the anxiety starting to leave. After that first mess up, then you're like, all right, it's all done. Okay. <laughs> okay. So this is a perfect marriage. Now, guys, this was so cool when God started revealing this. I was in here. Uh, yesterday just like on fire and just writing and going in circles and drawing arrows everywhere because I thought that this was really neat. So it's a perfect marriage because it shares in one electron. All right. Remember, he just said you are the salt of the earth. Okay. So let's think about this. It shares one electron and this compound is extremely difficult to destroy extremely difficult. The only way to separate them is to completely destroy these elements in a chemical reaction. This has to be completely destroyed and altered to where it is no longer a salt. This is no, no longer you're going to have two different elements from the periodic table. It has to be completely destroyed. Well, you and I know that we are in an indestructible bond as well with God through the faith in Jesus Christ through his death and resurrection that is our eternal bond it can not be destroyed what Christ did is indestructible it is eternal so then Satan has only one option because he can't destroy the bond he has to destroy our unity and our purpose. How is he going to do that? So he renders us useless through deluding us. Since he cannot defeat the cross and the resurrection. Okay, so I thought that this was a really interesting thing. And, and I'll get to it. There's, there's a part that I'm going to tie in. But you are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? So salt can be diluted. And we know uh, when you dilute salt, the easiest example would be in water. And it still maintains its chemical compound, though. Okay, it just loses its taste. It becomes weaker. But its physical makeup has been drastically altered not destroyed it can't be destroyed so he has to render us useless by diluting us so here's some examples there's gobs of examples but these were just ones that i could come up with uh quickly complacency stuck in a systematic rut 
or a sin cycle. Maybe you just do church and your community in such a way that it's a rut. Maybe you have completely shut your ears to the Holy Spirit and the direction in which you should go because you are comfortable in your rut and you don't think you are responsible for moving out of it or exploring different avenues or doing different things with your um, Christianity, if you will. Okay, or a sin cycle. Well, this is just the way I'm made. It's too embarrassing to talk about. I'll deal with it. I'm working on it. We're all sinners, right? So then you have not growing in the mysteries of the gospel. Maybe, maybe the gospel's not that fascinating to you. Maybe it's just great. Someone died for me. Yay, free ticket. Maybe that's where it was left. Because what we learned this weekend... Um, about the gospel was that it is growing and it's living and those mysteries are opened up to you. Each time you study it, it's something different and it frees you in a much different way. So, okay, not functioning well and or not serving in the body. You're just not comfortable. You're not a person that likes being around others and uh, you never have. It's just the way you're built. So, you do church as best um, as you want to because you're just not made like everyone else, okay? Uh, extremely busy in activities. That's probably like 99% of us. Extremely busy in activities. That, that one can knock me out of abiding quicker than anything. Or skepticism to the relevance of the Bible in your life. There is no power in your life. There are tons of tricks up Satan's sleeve. He has been studying human behavior since the beginning of time, guys. Don't think he doesn't know you individually. So what does Jesus say next? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Man, that used to freak me out. Like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be thrown away? But that's, that's not what Jesus is saying here. This is, this is if you choose to stay where you're at because of whatever complacency or cycle you are in. This is somebody that is not choosing to be a disciple. This is somebody that is not choosing to become vulnerable. There is always hope for us in Christ. But this is somebody that is just playing games in their Christian walk. Okay? So, but listen to what God revealed to me in this. Remaining in the state of delusion renders God's children useless. The only thing remaining is getting trampled by people. What does that mean? Well, whenever I was a new believer, um, I heard this, and it really stuck with me. Obviously, I'm teaching it today. So, but I always have to analyze where I am at. So, all right. Here's the fence. Is it a C? Yeah, fence. And okay, this is heaven. 
hell. Okay, the fence is undecided. Okay. All right, here's the thing. As believers and as children of God, we're always thinking if we're saved, we're good. Because we're not over here because it's indestructible. Our salvation is indestructible. But we like to play games. We like to play games with our life. And the fence, guess who loves the fence? The undecided people are the people that uh, remain deluded and undecided. They live in a constant state of guilt or shame. They call themselves Christians. They say they're saved. But this word right here has not become their truth. They don't submit to it. So when this word does not, is not uh, your authority and, and God's word is not um, the deciding factor in your life, you have chosen to walk in war with absolutely no armor. Okay, because we have the word of God. But we say, I don't really need to work on being poor in spirit. I don't really need to mourn about my sin. I really, you know, I'm not interested in learning about meek, what that means. I'm not thirsting and hungering for righteousness. We, we read all these words. We go to church. We listen to the sermons, but they really, they don't take root in us, nor do they really convict us to the point where we start making decisions. So the armor of God is our identity in Christ that shields us, protects us, and unifies us. With out this armor, you leave yourself wide open to lies and fears and doubts and worries, causing dysfunction and confusion in your personal life, your purpose as a child of God, and unity in the church. These people that are saved, because remember, it's the bond that cannot be destroyed, they have a lot of mental illness. These are the ones that are constantly dealing with guilt in shame. These are the ones that are constantly living in that depression. Uh, you say you're depressed and then you have your highs and then you have your lows because you're constantly getting beat up by Satan because you have no armor. You, this word, you don't submit to this word. You don't understand that you must not just say, oh, yeah, I believe. No, now that means I must take action in my belief. Or I must turn from something and walk away. Remember from the very first lesson, we don't get to put child of God or disciple up at the top of the triangle, yet keep screwing everything up in the middle. I mean, you are actually one of Satan's favorite puppets. And it causes us it to be rendered useless. We have no power. 
And so when God had revealed that to me, I was like, holy cow, think about what we do whenever we are not forgiving one another, being merciful towards one another, whenever we gossip about one another, when um, we're not poor in spirit, we don't thirst and hunger for righteousness. Think about all the blesseds. When we are not living like this at home, at work, around friends, peers, we actually, this is where all of the name calling of hypocrites comes from. This is where you get made fun of by somebody in your family because you end up saying something super stupid that wasn't very peacemaking. You open your mouth when you shouldn't have. Um, you don't pursue peace at all costs. You're always there to start a war or get frustrated. This is how we get ourselves trampled by people as individuals. But this is why people make fun of church, guys. This is, we're making ourselves look like a fool whenever we're claiming something, but that living totally opposite of Jesus. Don't say anything about God or Jesus if you don't plan on backing it up with something. And if you fail, ask people for forgiveness. So, that's what he means by we end up good for nothing and we get trampled everywhere we go and then we're all butt hurt because nobody likes us. Well, you look like a dang fool. So, um, all right, so that's what Jesus meant. And um, <laughs> uh, I just, I... Guys, again, I have read this so many times, and I always just like, and trampled under people's feet. Hmm, that's weird. And keep going. And so uh, that I thought that that was really eye-opening. Okay. Luke 2, um, if, if you can, if you will, turn to Luke 2.52, please, real quick. So you know how uh, we all really do want to be validated by God and people. We, I mean, it validated as much as we can. We don't want to have a bad reputation. We want to have favor as much as possible. Well, there is a scripture here, verse 52 in Luke uh, 2.52, and Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. There's only one way to have favor from God and man, and that is through wisdom and experience. This is, the Bible says stature, but we can't, stature means he's growing. When you grow, you get experience. But with that growth came wisdom. This is the wisdom. What did he get? He got favor with God and man. 
All right. So uh, let's keep going. How many of us stay on this fence because we pursue false joy, peace, and blessings? When we remain undecided and on this fence because we don't truly believe that all of our blessings and joy are in Jesus, whether they're here or in your next life, and you have not come to terms with that, you still want to have your physical blessings here and now. You have not been able to rip that Band-Aid off and go, well, if I get physical blessings on this side, amen. If I don't get physical blessings on this side, that sucks, but amen. <laughs> right? You have to make that choice. All right, so I just quickly did some other, um, not studies necessarily, but looking up uh, salt, and I'll quickly go through them. Um, salt, I thought this was really neat word for salt. It is serious about its fidelity. Remember, the perfect marriage. A perfect marriage is serious about their fidelity. The compound fights for its true identity. Fights for it. You have to utterly destroy it before it'll lose its identity. Fidelity. I thought that was a cool word for it. Its bond through that one electron makes salt extremely accurate, constant, loyal, and allegiant. Don't you guys want to be associated with such words? Blessed are those who thirst and hunger for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. That is the only way you are going to know what your identity is. Otherwise, you are sitting on that fence, not because you're undecided, but because you don't even know your identity. Okay, salt preserves. We are the guardians of truth. We are to study and know it and seek God's heart through it so that we can preserve its power in our lives in each, and in each other's so that we can remain unified. If we don't know the heart of God for us, how in the world are we going to know how to steward each other's? Okay, salt creates thirst and enhances flavor. Godly character motivates and courage and strengthens the body in good works. We learn from one another. I, I learn from you guys. I sit back. I watch you guys visit. I watch the way you guys interact. Uh, I can tell when somebody's having a bad day. I watch how you respond to that. And hopefully in this room, you guys are learning godly responses. That whenever you hear somebody saying something, uh, you know, I did not have a good day, but... I still was able to rejoice in the Lord today and be thankful for blank, 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 and blank. 
that should spur you on then the next time I am having a terrible day, I'm going to act like that. Salt adds flavor. Are we walking around like Johnny rain clouds continuously or do we have something that's worth living for? The salt within each other will make us want more. I know that to be true because whenever I was a new believer, I mean, I couldn't get enough. Like seriously, who can eat one potato chip? Like one salty potato chip. It's that same concept. Like I'm going to take out the bag. And it's it's that same thing. Like it just makes you crave more. So if we are doing good things together around each other and around others and our conversations are full of salt at work and in our home and in our communities, watch how you become contagious. But if you are a jerk and negative and gossiping or just overly quiet, not willing to extend yourself out to anybody around you, how can anyone catch our Jesus? Salt purifies. The salt within us will purify it will sanctify us. Same concept as uh, we have flavor. We enhance. Through watching, hearing, learning, teaching, and mimicking one another. And sometimes, how do you guys think babies learn? Toddlers learn. They mimic. And so if you are at a place in your walk where you're not sure, mimic. Copy. Watch people's facial expression. Make sure you're watching the right person. <laughs> and, uh, but it's, it's, there's so much of this faith I, I mimicked. And I would watch it from afar and I'd go home and I'd do it. I even copied my mentor's facial expressions because I have a face that will tell you rude things it without speaking them and so I watched her deal with people that were really difficult to deal with and so I'm one that's like and she had this really sweet face and I knew she was thinking the same thing I was but she had the ability to love them and step out of herself and I watched her face and I watched how she was gracious and she was patient and I knew she had to be exhausted, but still she persevered for them. And I caught that. I watched it. I wasn't taught it. Nobody sat me down and said, you will be with people you want to punch. <laughs> no, I caught it because we all know when someone's difficult. So make sure you are purifying the room. Okay, so we're going to move on to light. Let's move on to verses 14 through 15. You are the light of the world. 
A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to the whole house. Turn with me, please, to John 8, 12. Eight, twelve. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. This is a unique and divine characteristic of Jesus Christ. He is the light of the world. That is one of his divine purposes. He came into this world to give light. Jesus came to declare and impart this light to man. We are the light and lamp that walk in to dispel the darkness when we are living in the truth. When we are living in the truth, do we dispel darkness. Think about it like this, just like a plant. A plant will not, it'll grow towards the light because it needs the light for nourishment and growth. It will do whatever it can to get the amount of light it needs. Well, likewise, a child of God needs the light inside of them in order to be nourished nourished and grow properly. A child of God seeks the light and follows it wherever it goes. So there are two promises from for a child of God. You will never walk in darkness the light inside reveals the truth. Do you guys know when you walk into a room and you can feel, you can discern something? You can discern a temperature, a mood. You can discern what's going on in people's life. That's the light working inside of you so that you can respond properly or when you're not quite sure what to say but then all of a sudden you know exactly what to say and it's from something that you've learned that's the light working in you we will reflect the light inside of us people in our home our body uh, the body that we are in our work and our friends they will see the light it will show it is a promise. You will not have to itemize it. You will not have to check it off your box for the day. It will show when you are abiding in the truth. And um, also, let, I'm going to reiterate this. The light or abiding in the truth. Let's go back to the first two lessons. That's the Beatitudes. That's the Blesseds. That's the essence of Jesus Christ. That is the light. That's not you being a know-it-all. That's not you um, exalting yourself. 
That's not you walking around everywhere you go with a Bible and Bible bashing and beating people up with the word. That is, it is the essence of Christ in us will naturally show itself. And it's not something that you have to strive to do in the sense like we do for a work promotion or for the spot on a team. It's actually something a lot more natural than that. Do, do you guys have a, a relationship that you are extremely close to? I, ha- I mean, mine's going to be obvious, but guys, trust me, it, it took a lot of work to get there, uh, is my husband. I, I can be with him, and it's as simple as breathing. I know everything about him. I know every breath he takes. I know every, every move he makes. That's an old school song. So um, I, I know everything about him. It's very natural. There is only one other relationship in my life that is as natural as being with my husband and fully known and fully seen, and that is Jesus. And that is what abiding is like when you've decided not to be here and itemize what you want to follow and not follow. But whenever you are comfortable with him being your Lord. So lastly, verse 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father who is in heaven. So. Lastly, God, good works. Okay, good works. So that all will give glory to our Father in heaven. Okay, we need to know what these good works are. We know the essence of Christ, the Beatitudes. But let's look into something a little bit more so that we can have something a little bit more tangible. Turn to Hebrews 12, 14. Strive for peace with everyone for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness spring up and cause trouble. And by it, many become defiled. So what are the good works as an individual in the body of Christ. What is this salt and this light that we need to be focusing on in our lives whenever we are together, whenever we are growing in unity? We have number one, peace. And we've learned in the, uh, I think it was the second lesson, peace. That's the spirit of reconciliation unity and restoration remember blessed are the peacemakers does anybody remember what the reward is for they will be called the sons of god 
Okay, remember, we are wanting unity. We are wanting to be salt and light. We are wanting favor with God and man. We are wanting to make an impact in the world around us. So peace. We need to be pursuing peace among one another and others in our community, in our families. We want, we want to reconcile people to God. That means that we are extending ourselves by being the salt and the light for one another first and then on the outside as we go out. So then the next one is holiness. That is pure in heart. Holiness is a single-mindedness in Christ as our Lord and his word of truth. Single-mindedness doesn't mean Monday through Wednesday, I sort of kind of abide. Thursday through Friday depends on what's going on if I'm going to abide or not. Uh, Saturday, that's up in the air. Depends on what went on on Thursday and Friday. And then Sunday, oh, well, I obviously have to look like I'm abiding because it's Sunday. And I'm a Christian. So holiness is a single-mindedness, a Christ-like centered heart. Then last, grace. Receive God's grace freely and give grace freely. Look at what happens if you do not. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. We learned in the Beatitudes, blessed are the merciful for you will receive the mercy. Because if we are not showing grace, bitter roots form and they spring up and cause trouble and by it many become defiled. This is where that trampling you get trampled as an individual and as a body. The church, you guys, I've heard on all y'all's lips certain churches that you kind of, you know, know certain things about. So we don't want that to be said about our body. We don't want that to be said about reach. We don't want to hear that about evergreen we have to protect our own body but we can only do that and remain unified when we are following these three characteristics for being salt and light peacemakers holiness and grace okay these things unify us as a body, and these are the things that cause others to give glory to our Father. Turn with me, please, to, we only have a couple more turn with me's and we're done. John 13, 35. John 13, 35. 
It says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So peace, holiness, and grace towards one another is how we are to love one another. And all people will know that we are disciples of Christ. Therefore, I want to end with this. What is true love according to Jesus? Because we are, everybody is to know that we are Christ's disciples because of the way we love one another. So, what is love according to Jesus? And I'm sure you guys are all like, oh, Corinthians. But no, that is, again, a description of Jesus. That is an essence, an embodiment of Jesus. But from his lips, he speaks of the greatest love in John 15, 13. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friend. What does that mean for us? What does that mean to lay down your life? Does that mean not be as highly opinionated? Maybe not be as self-centered? Does that mean that you need to start hungering and thirsting for righteousness so that you can have an identity that gets you off the fence? What does it look like to lay down your life for your body that you call your friends? You need, you need to ask yourself that. I need to ask myself that. Because this is not about comfort if you claim you're a child of God. If we speak about the armor of God and we talk about being warriors and we talk about love and we talk about family, well then we need to practice the greatest love, laying down our life for one another. So I'll just leave you with this. Lay it down, Evergreen. Lay it down and be a difference. Let's lay it down so our community and the people that you walk with every day, they will see that church is something different. It's not just a whole bunch of hypocrites. It's not just a whole bunch of people that come here because they have nothing else to do with their life and they need a better hobby. Let's make a difference and let's lay down our lives for one another. If you enjoyed this episode of the Reach Podcast, please be sure and like and subscribe to our content. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes, and wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Also, you can find us on social media by searching for reach.tulsa. Find us on our website, evergreenbc.org forward slash reach. I also want to invite you to come be a part of our community. We meet every Tuesday night at 630 at Evergreen Church in South Tulsa on 111th Street, just east of Mingo. God is moving in the lives of young adults all across the world. He has something for you, so don't miss out.